Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021, and today's episode is brought to you by Spotify, and today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Uh, Go download the Spotify Greenroom app, check that out, join us on there today. I think we're going to start getting on there pretty soon. Uh, I'm Nolan Bianchi. We've got an excellent episode for you guys today. A little bit late. I apologize. I uh, Life got in the way. And here we are. But we do have a bonus episode coming for you guys on Saturday, so I don't think you can play. Uh, draft profiles coming today. It's going to be a really good episode. We got Tony Ferrari. Uh, we're looking at Cole Sillinger and Brent Clark. I'm flying solo right now, but I do have producer Brian with me as I record these intros and these <laughs> outros. You listened to the episode uh, this morning, Brian. What did you think of uh, the Brent Clark and Cole Sillinger? Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most during that interview was the the topic when you were talking about the skating of was it Clark I believe you started off with Clark I believe in that that interview mm-hmm. and how a lot of fans have this opinion that he's either a great skater or a really bad skater and Tony Ferrari Tony Ferrari does what Tony Ferrari does best and he he breaks down exactly why there's nuance to that discussion and I really liked that and I probably sent that over to you as the highlight of the episode because I really enjoyed how he was able to break that down and how he's not the best skater, but he's not as awful as some people say. Yeah, so I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Going to get a lot out of it in addition to uh, just learning about some new players. Because these are two guys that are really, really, I mean, Cole Stillinger, probably not so much. But really, both of them are kind of playing at six. Uh, again, maybe not Cole Stillinger. But uh, Brand Clark definitely is. Cole Stillinger will be in play maybe if. They trade back. Uh, you know, you never know how draft day is going to go. There are a million different scenarios that Cole Sandra ends up on this team. Uh, but let's get to the interview. Don't want to waste any more of your time. Here's Tony Ferrari. Uh, all right. We're here with Tony Ferrari. We are going to move it into uh, a couple more draft profiles. We're now going to look at Brand Clark and then another center, Cole Sillinger. Let's start with Clark because, you know, we haven't really shown a, a defense a lot of love yet. Uh, six foot, 181 pounds, shoots right-handed, number three on Elite Prospects board, number eight on McKean's, and number six on Dobbers. You guys fill it out right in the middle there. Settle this debate for us before we get into Brand Clark because this has been one of the most divisive things I feel about any player coming into this draft is Brant Clark skating. Is he good or is he not? Yes and no. It's so hard to describe. Are you okay. That there's nuance to a conversation that people have been trying to see in black and white online for months. Yes, 100%. Oh, wow. I don't believe My it. thing with Brant- wow. <laughs> wow. I know it's crazy. I know, eh? <laughs> This crazy bald dude off Twitter trying to use new one. <laughs> uh, but no, like, so the thing I started doing last year was separating skating and mobility because I, I think they're very, very different things and people get them confused all the time. I, I think Brant Clark is an incredibly mobile player. I think he's one of the better mobile player defensemen in this draft. I think he's 
one of the better multi-directional defensemen in this draft. I really think Brant Clark is able to move around the ice and get to where he needs to be with ease a lot of the time. I don't think he's going to struggle in that regard very much at the NHL level because uh, I, I think he will improve the actual skating stride. Now, getting to the skating stride, he looks a lot like me out there on the ice, <laughs> and I'm not a good skater. And it's he's got a weird knock knee stride, and, and I have the exact same thing. So as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're like, I all right, like that. I'm like, I'm gonna have to pay attention to how good his skating actually is. And then I was like, skating's not great, but his mobility is excellent because the, a lot of times with skating, people take into all the technical aspects. Well, where where's his knee bend? Where's the the ankle flexion? All this these little details. Is he on the back of his foot? Is he on the front of his foot? How how well does he use his edges? he uses his edges fine. I think he's able to get off his edges, both the inside and outside quite well. I don't think he worries about that. The way he generates power in his stride is going to need to be cleaned up. Most likely. I think it's going to be something that's easy to clean up because we've seen it happen a thousand times. The, the overblown, Oh, this player can't skate. It is really stupid at this point in time. I think people are going crazy with it. And the reality is, is if the player is at least a good enough skater at the junior level, you're going to get him to be a good enough skater at the NHL level. If that player is willing to put in a couple summers of work, because it's all it takes. Zach Hyman was a piss poor skater coming out of college. He, there's a reason Florida didn't want him. So the Toronto Maple Leafs put him with Barb Underhill and he still doesn't look like the cleanest skater out there. Like you watch him play and he's still flailing his shoulders, doing the whole Matty Veneers thing, but he gets to every puck first. He battles every puck and he wins every battle because he has that excellent mobility. He has the excellent work rate. Brent Clark has the exact same thing. I, I don't think you're going to have to worry about his skating at all. It, it's going to be something that may not look the prettiest in the world, but he's going to be able to get around the ice. He's going to be able to contribute offensively because that's the name of his game. And his defensive game has improved over the last year and a half. So I, I think this is a guy that you really look at dra- drafting near the top of the board. He's at, he was at number six on our midseason rankings. I think he's probably going to be around there or higher this time around. And on my board, he's the top defenseman. So I, I see no reason why he wouldn't be in consideration in the top three, four, five picks. Now, I think that's the thing that that people kind of confuse because that's what impresses me about his skating is like the stop start. Oh, going to go foot to the left here yeah. and then keep going like that. How I, I guess how much do you value that over just blazing Luke Hughes through the tra- through the um, neutral zone type speed. The, 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 with defensemen, especially I value that edge work a little bit more because realistically, you're not going to be relying on your defense most of the time to be the guy that's leading the rush. It's great. If they can, you want them to be able to do it. Brant Clark can do it. I've seen him do it a thousand times, but it, you want him getting into the neutral zone and finding Dylan Larkin on the wing or something, or, or streaking through the middle of the ice. Like you, you want him, to be able to get to the neutral zone, draw in defenders and, and then find the guy. And I think that's something Brant Clark does extremely well. And, and that's something I talked to him about as well Is he wants to get double teamed. He said it. He he's like, I want four guys on me if I can, because that means there's four guys open or three guys open. So he wants to draw that extra four checker in. he wants to draw those guys and he waits that extra second. And then he has the skill to pass around a guy or, or find a guy through traffic. It's it, his passing game is really, really good. And, Man, every time I watch Brent Clark, I get higher and higher on this kid. And it's just the the fact that he just knows how to hockey. And, and I know that sounds like <laughs> such a weird cliche, but this kid is just good at the game of hockey. 
Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. And if you don't know what Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter, brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everybody. Plus, uh, if you don't, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Uh, it's really just excellent. Plus, Everything is covered in 100% chocolate. Everything is soft. Everything is easy to chew at Built Bar. Most of the flavors only have uh, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and you get 17 big old grams of protein uh, right on in there. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off of your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Better off gives him the business. Uh, so I, you know, we've talked a lot about his offensive game, obviously, and that's kind of what I feel like most people have him labeled as an offensive defenseman. Is that a is that pigeonholing him? Do you think he's a lot more than that? I think he has the ability to improve his defensive game because we've seen his defensive game improve over the last year, especially in Slovakia. Like you, you watched him have to battle against a, a man in front of the net. Like he was talking about sure. how like when he's battling a guy. Sometimes the guy has a kid at home <laughs> a couple years younger than him. Like it's it's a situation where he's the smallest guy on the ice a lot of times, and he's trying to battle. And it, it to his credit, it improved a lot this year. Um, the one thing I, I I even joked with him after I we recorded our interview and stuff, and uh, I was like, dude, the one thing I need you to stop doing is laying down on the ice. You do it too much. <laughs> Every like, if he's on a two on one rush and he's defending it, he'll he'll go prone right on the ice and lay that stick out and swing it all around and. Oh, every player that does that. And so he asked me why I didn't want him doing that. And I was like, all right, listen, when you go down, if the, even if the best case scenario happens, the puck hits you, what are you doing while you're laying on your stomach? You got to get up and move that puck or stay up, stay in position and then get the puck. Cause if the puck hits you, then, then you're going to be able to kind of use the momentum you have to get the puck out. So he, we joked about that, but that's really my biggest issue with his defensive game, because there are so many areas of improvement. He's battling more. He's winning more of those battles. He's finding the seams in, in breaking up passes a little bit more consistently. Um, I still think he chases a little bit sometimes in the corners and stuff behind the net, but there's a lot to like about his defensive game as it's improved. I think there's room for improvement. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that wins the defensive defenseman of the year award by any means, but if he can be a capable defender and, and that's all you need him to be with the skill level he has and the, the talent he has in transition and at the offensive end, I, I think you're looking at a guy that can play as the, the second fiddle on your first pairing or the guy leading your second pairing. Now uh, you mentioned interviewing him. You did an episode of game tape with Tony. Go check that out on YouTube. It was excellent. One thing that I really liked about it is he was very like, I, I feel like at a young age, it's hard to talk, to look at your work and talk about your work without being like, that's me. You know, like, I feel like he's able to separate his work from himself. And I feel like that made him very open to criticism, very open to explaining his decision-making. What stood out to you, like just about the way he talked about his game uh, in that episode? I think the big thing with him is, is that he's very confident in himself, but understands that no player on the ice is perfect. And, and that's one of the things we talked about after the interview, because there, there's a few players that we I've talked to and, and we do the interview. And a lot of times they're like, all right, thanks for having me. Like great job. And they leave. Yeah. And Brandon Clark was one of the, one of the few guys that stayed for like 
45 minutes after the interview. Like the interview is only 25 minutes, I think. And, and he was there for 45 minutes afterwards. And we just talked about his game, talked about hockey, talked about the way he plays the game and everything like that. And, and that gives me a, an extra little insight. And the, the fact that he's able to separate himself, like you said there, and the fact that he's able to go, okay, this is how I want to approach it, this play. So when specifically the thing I always go back to is when I asked him about adjusting his game to Slovakia and he's like, well, I I had to adjust my game to Slovakia, but they had to adjust their game to me too, because I'm not going to go and play that reserved four men back in the defensive zone to break out. I told them, get up the ice. I'll hit you with a pass. I'm not going to give up this puck in front of our net. Let me skate it out and do my thing. Like let me be dynamic. And that's going to create more offense. His team didn't always do that. And they were pretty poor team they didn't score a lot but <laughs> he tried to do it and he was always creating and he was always pushing the pace of the play and and for a guy that's 17 barely knows the language like he was learning the language while he was over there he knew very few words and and then when his brother left because his brother Graham was over there as well his brother left midway through the season to go to, to play in the AHL he was on his own there was no one really around taking care of him in the fact that he just continued to get better like his improvement in Slovakia, like his first few games, I was like, is this the guy that I have as a top defenseman? Is this the guy that like, I I think is going to go top five in the draft? Like, Oh man, like this is rough. And now I'm like, I could talk about him at number one. He's probably the only defenseman I consider at number one, to be completely honest. And this kid, like the the improvement throughout the year has been what's really impressed me. So I have a, like just a really blunt question. What is preventing him from being a top three pick? I think the the skating. I, I think people are going to talk about the skating. I, I think he could be a top three pick. I wouldn't be shocked to even see him go second overall. Like I, I think everyone's pretty locked in with power being first overall, despite my disagreements with that. And I, I can get into that another day. But <laughs> it, 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 it's it's one of those things where I, I think everyone knows it. Everyone's seen it for a while. It's been talked about. It's been yelled about. Everyone posted. Every mock draft has him there. Even even the mock drafts I've done, despite my my own disagreements. Like it's probably going to be power first overall. He's the six foot five defenseman who's Canadian, played at a U.S. college. Everything you want in a player and, and a Buffalo player, yeah. I mean, I'm oh, <laughs> just going to be beautiful, Tyler. Oh, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not even going to oh, get man. into that one. That's right that's now. mean. No, <laughs> that, I, that's, yeah. that's a little aggressive, poor Owen. Uh, he's a good player, and, and you know what? My thing about Owen Power. Okay, this is my biggest issue with Owen Power. He's going to play in the NHL next year. If he doesn't play in the NHL next year. I have him near the top of my board. I have him in the top two or three, but he's going to play in the NHL next year because he's six foot five and he six foot five. Every time he steps on the ice, this kid has a ton of tools. He's got this great tool set. If you give him another year, maybe even two at Michigan, he's going to come in and, and be a dominant player, but he's still got areas to work on and you're going to rush him to the NHL. And he's not going to be able to work on those areas. He's just going to be trying to keep his head above water. Buffalo's done it a bunch and of times. Buffalo. And yeah. it's Buffalo. I will continue <laughs> to repeat this. Owen Power, of course, like that. And that's why I feel so bad for a lot of these kids. Like, you know what's funny? Yeah. is like, I, I think about like this draft day and I think about it even, even more so with the NFL because sometimes it's, it's more pronounced, right? You know, like Zach Wilson going to the Jets. You got to like, I, I, at a certain, to a certain degree on draft day. Yes. I'm the second pick in the draft. I'm Zach MF Wilson, but I'm going to the Jets. Like the, yeah. the, the, the deck is really stacked against me here. And I just think that there, I know we all think it in the back of our heads, but we, there needs to be a more open conversation about how these things affect these players. Like if Owen power goes to, Hey, need your ass in the NHL Buffalo right now. Like 
I don't think things are going to go very well for him at all. The one caveat to that is, well, you know, he'll get to play with Rasmus Dahlin and they have a couple other good defense prospects that are coming up. But like Riley Shahan was playing the third 13 minutes a night. Like he was getting serious minutes in Buffalo last season. And I just don't see a why they would take a defenseman with this pick B why they would take one that's so easily ruinable in this setting and it's just so many things about it don't make sense to me i know you're we're not even talking about him but i just i've been feel like i've been going crazy over these past couple months when people you know talk about own power going to buffalo it's like yes that will like that's a 30 percent decrease in his likelihood of succeeding in my opinion like off the cuff and i'll finish on own power quickly here with this and and if detroit had the first overall pick I would endorse Owen Power as the first overall pick. Yeah. I think Detroit would do the smart thing and they would let him play that extra year in college. If this guy has all the tools, the, the, the ability to skate up the ice, the ability to fire a big shot, he's huge. He can defend. When he is able to defend, he's excellent. He needs to work on a few things in that area. He needs to work on a few things in the decision-making process. But you're looking at this player and you're like, man, if we give him time, like this could be a, this could be a number one defenseman. Buffalo is not going to give him time. And, and that's been my biggest reason for not wanting him at that first overall is because I want him to get that extra year because I want to see the best version of Owen power, because that's a special player. I, I just, th- yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel bad for so many of these kids. We go through this process and it's like, uh, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this real quick before we wrap up on that. I kept meaning to come back to this, but then I kept forgetting. Did, did seeing him and the way he handled himself in the world championships play at all? Because he played kind of considerably a lot of minutes, obviously a lot of NHL talent out there. Canada wins gold against the odds. Uh, he was player of the game. One of those games, he was getting a lot of kind of crucial minutes towards the end there. Did that change for you? Anything for you at all? Yeah, it did. I'm, I'm not even like deny that whatsoever because yeah. seeing him in that setting and in, the, the flaws are still there. I still did notice some of the defensive things that I don't like and the anticipatory things that I, I worry about, but it, he held his own. He, he held his head above water and looked pretty good in a few games. And in uh, admittedly, like this might be a little bit of a tease for my, my personal rankings right now, but he's mm-hmm. at number five on my board. He's the second defenseman. It's him in, or, or sorry, number six. Uh, he's the second defense behind Brand Clark, but he was a guy that was stapled to nine, eight, nine, ten 10 on my list for most of the year. And he's at that stage now where if you wanted to, in my mind, I could justify taking him at, at second or third overall. Cause again, that's not Buffalo. Like buff. Ah, I, I hate saying it, but like the reason that he's, he's might not be the best pick and, and might not be the player that I wish he could be is because of Buffalo. But online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action before the next pitch. Head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the uh, game as teams prep for their runs to playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. That is the best fucking power play the Detroit Red Wings have had in four games. 
All right, let us move on from Brant Clark. Let us move on from the defense talk. We got to get back. We got to center ourselves, if you will, to talk about Cole Sillinger uh, from Sioux Falls of the USHL. Ridiculous. Six foot, 201 pounds, shoots left. Uh, Canadian kid, ranked 14th on Dauber, 12th in elite prospects, 13 on TSN. Really kind of a guy who, despite all the craziness in the draft this year, is really kind of in a certain tier. And that's just a step below the top 10. Now, he just wins USHL Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, he has a, has a pretty good season there. How do you think that this season fared for him as a whole in the USHL? Um, and, and does winning that award uh, maybe raises draft stock a, a little bit. I mean, what's, what's the, what's the overall summary for him, man? I, I think he had a great year in the USHL. Like you can't complain when you put up 46 points in, in 31 games, 24 goals. Like this kid was just dominant at, at times at the USHL level. And it, it, he has that ridiculous shot. Like I I've seen him shoot from, from areas that you don't score from usually and just beat a goalie clean. So it, it's, he, he might have the best shot in the entire draft. I love this kid's offensive game. He's got work to do in transition. He's got work to do in the defensive zone, but this is a guy that it, I, I keep looking at him and I go, man, like there's not a lot of players with first line upside in this draft. And, and I think that's, there, there, that's a weakness of this draft. There's not that elite talent, but if, Oh, if Cole Sillinger's the third best player on your first line, if he's the guy that's mostly just a trigger man that can kind of contribute a little bit everywhere else. And he has, he has pretty good playmaking ability. People don't give him credit for that either because he does have such a good shot, but if he can just hold his own kind of in the other areas of the game and be that elite offensive talent, he could easily fit on a third line being or on a first line, being that kind of third guy that you, you rely on in most situations, except in the offensive zone where he's, he's the guy for shooting the puck all day. Like th this kid's got a ton of talent. His, his skating needs a little bit of work, but it's not like a, a sloppy mess. Like you look at Brant Clark's skating stride and you're like, okay, that's a mess. You got to clean a lot of things up despite the fact that he is mobile, like you have to clean up some efficiency things with, with Cole Stillinger. It's not necessarily an efficiency thing. It's, it's a power generation thing almost at times. And, and there are times where he gets on his horse and he's going and you're like, okay, like there's the speed that you think could be there more consistently, but there's only one or two flashes of it maybe during a game. Not if mm -hmm. that. So I, I think there's areas to work on, but this is one of the best offensive players in this draft. And like I said, not many players are going to be on a first line and, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Cole Stillinger on a first line. So he kind of seems to be mocked in most places at like that kind of in between Detroit's two first round picks, right? Like it would be a reach if we took him at six, but he's probably not making it to 22 either. Um, is this someone that is it too ridiculous to say like this is kind of a reach candidate at six or is this someone maybe that, you know, if he if you see him fall into the, the mid or late teens, we could see the Red Wings maybe put together a package with all of our picks that we have over the next two years and move up from from 22 to like take a stab at him. I think the second scenario is a little bit more likely. I think reaching for him at six with, with some of the talent that should be on the board there, like if you're looking at him and Fabian Lee Sell or William Eklund, I'd probably go with the two Swedes personally. Sure. I think that those are the two guys you go with. But if a team, if a guy really, like a GM really likes this kid and they, they go, this is exactly what we need on the, in, on this team in a couple of years. Like we have all these prospects that are going to fill all these other needs. We need that ridiculous goal score. We need the shot. And, and they, I could see him going at six, seven, eight, nine. Like, is he a, a realistic guy for Detroit? I think he's more of a dark horse, but I could see it because Steve Eiserman's a wild man. <laughs> Fair enough.
And, and I mean, with that shot, it, that is something that's kind of lacking in Detroit's prospect system. Like they have a lot of good playmakers, especially of the Swedish variety. But uh, I think when it comes to like a guy, uh, Philip Sedina is kind of the only one that comes to mind in, in terms of like, and, and even he this past season, like kind of shed the pure goal scorer title and is like, no, I'm a two-way winger now. We're all like, oh, sick, yeah. awesome. And that's great. But like, the Red Wings don't really have a lot of guys like that in their system. Yeah. I think you look at them and you go, man, like th- this is a kid that he could be that offensive difference maker. And, and like you said, maybe this is a trade down candidate for Detroit. Maybe they go, I know we have a thousand picks already, but let's get a thousand and ten stock up more. And, and maybe there's, there's a, a situation where Detroit trades down to 11 and, and they go with and take them there. And I think that's a more realistic thing. And then pick up an extra second round pick or something. And cause they don't already have enough of those, but, it's going to be an interesting an interesting situation with where Cole Sillinger goes because I think he is going to go in that 11 to 15 range and I think that I wouldn't be shocked to see a team move up or down for him because he is the kind of talent that you look for and you go he could be the difference maker in this draft class so what is keeping him out of that that top tier is it just the the lower ceiling like um, for me, it's it's the fact that there is so much of the rest of his game that's just kind of like he's yeah. capable. Like he's yeah. he's more than capable everywhere else. But that shot is pretty ridiculous, which gets him up there. But you look at a guy like Fabian Lysel, and you're like, I, I think Fabian Lysel can affect the game in in 22 of the 24 minutes he plays. Uh, whereas Cole Stillinger is only going to affect it in five minutes, but he's probably going to score a goal in those five minutes. What's his value as a uh, defensive forward? Like, is he getting time on the, the penalty kill? Because I feel like a lot of times when I was you know, reading up on him or watching videos or whatever, like a lot of the question marks about his defense came more during uh, special teams and not necessarily on, on five on five. Is there kind of a consensus there? So I, I, I don't like saying a guy's bad defensively because you can always learn defense, but Cole Sillinger doesn't really care that much defensively. And in the fact that they put him on the penalty kill is because junior teams like to put their best guys on the penalty kill. And, and that's just what kind of what happens. Like a, a guy last year that I think everyone got, got gave a lot of credit to for being a good penalty killer that I just didn't agree with whatsoever was Jack Quinn. And it's like, yeah, he played a lot in the penalty kill. He got scored on a lot on the penalty. kill too, man. <laughs> like he wasn't great. Like that's just, okay. Like, Anybody can play on the penalty kill, yeah. but not everyone's good. On I played kill. on the penalty kill. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> you know? It's one of those situations where, like, yeah, like it was more keeping it just, alive, but you know, yeah, junior, junior teams just want to throw Jack Quinn or Cole Sillinger out there because if they do get a breakaway, they're probably going to score on that breakaway. Yeah. And in junior hockey, you get a lot of breakaways on the penalty kill. So it's one of those situations where I think his defensive game, like, like I said, it's one of those areas where, like, yeah, he's capable, he's perfectly fine, but like. I think he's going to be a winger at the next level. Personally, I don't think he's going to be a center. And, and I think that's where you can kind of mitigate some of those defensive worries. And, and you go, okay, if he's your right winger, like you're not worried about the fact that he isn't covering the, the slot at all, or he's just floating around <laughs> by the blue line, because that's going to be his job as a winger. You just answered all of our last questions. Uh, <laughs> there were like three of them. And then I started typing just another one. And you just answered it, answered it in your last swoop. So let's do this. <laughs> let's, let's reverse it back. Cause this is something we did a lot uh, during last draft season. I haven't really done it so much this year. So if you're Steve Eisenman, what's the biggest reason that you're passing on Cole Sillinger? And what's the biggest reason that you're drafting Cole Sillinger? I'm passing on Cole Sillinger because he's a very much a passenger. 
I'm I'm drafting Cole Sillinger because he's a sick passenger. <laughs> like he's sick. <laughs> like, if he, like I said, he's good. He, I'd all expect to see him on a first line at some point. He's got the chips. He's got the music. He's he's yeah, got it all. like he's he's the coolest dude in the room, and you know he's gonna put some pucks up top, and you know he's gonna just collect <laughs> goals, but he's not gonna do a whole lot else in the game, and you have to worry about the rest of that stuff. So. I think he's a really good player. He's a guy that I battle with because I do value the defensive game and, and kind of being a cable everywhere else. And that's why like, a guy like Matthew Beneers is so high on my board. But man, like the shot is just so ridiculous. And his scoring ability is just, it, it's insane. Like I, I think this guy's going to be a really good player at the NHL level, even if he doesn't do a whole lot of, uh, away from the puck. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you to everybody who joined us today. Thank you to producer Brian for sitting on Zoom with me and recording this with me. Uh, check out tomorrow's episode with Scouching as well. We're looking at Carson Lambos and Zachary LaRue. Subscribe, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.